0: Deserve it is Christine
1: Conte and I'm Brian Prendergast, and
0: we are two fit crazy and a microphone. We are where it's at, Brian. I,
1: I am fired up,
0: fired up from our powerful guest,
1: powerful Christine. Yeah,
0: I love it. So, when someone asks you how they are, or yeah, how they are, you should say. Powerful.
1: I am powerful. How awesome is that response? That's Sue Hitzman's response.
0: Yeah. And Sue Hitzman just happens to be our guest today and the creator of the Melt Method. And you may have, I mean, the Melt Method has been around for a while and you may or may not know exactly what it is. I know that I didn't know the extent to which she works with the Melt Method and the amount of work and research that she has done and it really validates exactly what she does and the impact it has on people and their overall health
1: yeah i mean she's the founder she's the creator she's the do everything she came from a a place of necessity from her own health standpoint and uh you know worked her way uh th- through working with her fascia and what it means and what it you know Fascists is so overlooked, right? We fix it when we kind of feel like we need to. But what is it? How does it relate to everything that we do from the way that we think, from the way that we feel, from the way that we react, and from the way that we compensate for pain and injuries? And where does it all come from? And, uh, you know, Sue just got it all together in the MELT method. Um, and she's, uh, she's such an awesome person, like just her Mm -hmm. spirit and her power is right. She is powerful. Uh, you know, she's, uh, she's a New Yorker, so she tells you like it is, uh, you know, which is always, uh, refreshing for, uh, for us here on the East coast and, uh, Northeast. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just beautiful. Uh, you know, she's just, she's got it together. She's got, uh, sound business and she's helping people and, uh, helping, other people help other people, right, through her All right, uh, so if everyone's
0: on here, and they're like, what in the hell is fascia, yeah. right? Okay, but let's let's put that out there. I know that a lot of you are fitness pros and fitness this and that, but you may be like, what in the hell is that, okay? So if you have no idea what fascia is, it's really freaking important. It is all over your body. Think of like walking into a spider web. It is on you, okay? And we're going to talk today about um, the words in the fitness industry and beyond, which are like recovery and wellness. They're not new, Okay, this is not new, and it's time to be proactive. Okay, I'm going to say it again: proactive, not reactive, with your health, and that is what this episode is all about. I'm, I'm ready. Drop it right there. Let's do this, Christine. Let's right. do
1: this. Sue Hitzman, Too Fit Crazy, a microphone podcast. Here we go. <laughs>
0: Another amazing episode of the Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone Podcast. Brian, how are you?
1: I'm all right. Christine,
0: it is. Um, it's a it's a pretty big time for us. We've got a pretty awesome guest today, and you know what? I am excited. Number one is that it's only a couple days out from party time at the Boston Marathon for the two of us, which we'll get to later, right? But, um. We are here with a powerhouse, amazing woman. It's been way too long. You should have been on the show a long time ago, but we'll take it now.
2: Sue Hitzman, how are you? I'm freaking powerful and awesome is how I am. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. I
1: am powerful.
2: Yeah. I feel like we should... Because you know when you you ask that to somebody, how you doing, they go, okay. I'm like, how you doing? I'm fucking powerful is what I am. And people are like, Whoa. Get the conversation started. I
0: say crazy as I say, crazy is what I say. Crazy as <laughs> always. And they're like, I don't even know why we ask you, Christine. I'm like, you know, you're going to get that answer. It's chaos every day, moving forward, taking names. Bam.
1: <laughs> Love it.
0: I dig it. Love it.
1: I, I hate it when they go, uh, I, you know, say, like, how are you? You say, oh, I'm good. I'm busy. I'm like, kind sounds mean? like that sucks. <laughs> like, I want yeah, to, like, oh, I was Oh, so busy, it
2: was so busy. Yeah,
1: well, sounds horrible. That's like horrible. the story of
2: my life. I'm trying to work smarter, not harder.
1: There you go. Oh my gosh, powerful.
2: So, all right, everybody. We had the honor
0: of rubbing shoulders with Sue Hitzman in San Diego, in, and, and elbows, and elbows, yeah, shoulders and, and elbows, and elbows, and fist bumps <laughs> and whatever. Um, and I, I would love to say sunny San Diego, but it was like it was stormy torrential. and it it was rained worse. upside down and it was oh. cold for except for like a couple hours that we found that we went out and like did a little run but it was not the typical san diego warmth but we got to see you which was warm and fuzzy and it's cold. we were out there again that was like you know it was ursa ursa 2023 with the best in business and fitness and all of us that live
1: are, freaking events yes
0: all of us that need to be in the room, because if you're not in the room, you don't make connections like
2: this. So exactly that And the industry is really kind of leaning into different directions. Now, don't you see like all the changes since COVID you see all these like scrambling trying to figure out like the fitness industry is saying, who are we? Are we wellness? Are we fitness? What are we going to do? They don't know what to do. They're scrambling right now. I think
1: good place to start. So what do you think? What are we?
2: I think that the fitness industry is trying to be everything to everybody. And I think that we are, I think that this whole, I hear that there's these two brand new words being used in fitness. The first one is called recovery. I'm like, brand new idea. And then of of course the other one is the word wellness. And I mean, I get it, but... You know, just because you've got the cold baths and the cold plunges and the trigger things and the vibrating and all these other, like all these big, very expensive gadgets for these health clubs, I don't think people are running any faster or, you know, improving too much performance. I don't really see that in uh professionals today i think it's a, I think people are spending a lot of money when actually self-care starts from getting quiet and going into your body and sensing what you feel so
1: oh, at yeah. least
2: they're in my ballpark now so i'm feeling good uh-huh. about
1: that right it's, it's coming your direction yeah all these like hacks right i don't have to work quite as hard but if i jump in an ice bath i'll be you know i'll be healthier I'll, I'll have wellness i'll have wellness yeah.
2: no.
0: I don't know what that means, have,
2: have, can I buy that? I eat, I eat bad food. I've got a bad attitude and I don't have good relationships. What am I doing with my life? Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, an ice bath will not make you become one with the universe. There is a little bit of work that needs to be done into it. And I just think that we're, we're a very, um, We believe that we're being very proactive in fitness, but I think that the fitness industry is quite reactive. People people engage in fitness most often after they have a problem. I feel fat, therefore I must run on a treadmill. I want to lose weight for my wedding. I'm going to go get fit, right? So it's always there's a problem that we're looking for a solution for, whereas if it's just I want to enhance my overall well-being and the resilience of my health span, right? The, the 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 term, I don't care if I die tomorrow, really, but as long as every year of my life is a quality one, I'll go for less years of greater quality than a longer span of life that is just shit.
1: Right. Yeah. Couldn't and, have said it better. And expanding <laughs> that quality is like the ultimate goal, right? Taking that quality and stretching. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if health is like the commodity, right? And, and like we're born with all of it, most of us, right? If we're lucky, I guess there's some people born with illness, but You know, most of us are born with it and then we piss it away. And then we look to get it back and spend a lot of money. Uh, And the fitness industry is really good at chasing money and making things about, you know, money. And I got what you need and it's this. And you can't just like go jump in the ocean or, you know, a cold lake. You got to jump in an ice bath and that'll cost you five grand. Wait a minute. (laughs) Are you
2: saying I could go in an ocean? (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to go into a cold bath that costs $10,000 in my backyard. Wait a damn minute.
1: I'll went, do it. <laughs> I went to uh, I went to Africa in November. I was over there running, and I went yeah. to to go do some some charity work, and it was amazing. But while we were there, I was in Sierra Leone, and it, it was 90 degrees every day, and it's just it's Africa hot, right? And we, we were explaining that, that people go into saunas, and the African guy, uh, you know, he was you know my friend. It was like. He's like, so wait, people pay money to go into hot things, hot rooms. Like he's like, like Johnny. He's like, he's like, I don't understand it. Explain again I'm like yeah but they're like made out of wood and he's like I don't understand like every day of their life is hot and you know why Enough would they following. do that no well, yeah release toxins and uh, you know shock proteins and whatever and, yeah and uh, the next thing you know he's just like you guys are dumb like you spending money on that
0: oh all right sue so we have to get into we've got to get into this because there's yeah. so much to unpack with your story and what you've created and the movement and helping people. And first of all, you are a New Yorker, correct?
2: I am a New Yorker, born and raised, and then I've just moved to paradise. I now live in Naples, Florida. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So what was it that you did in New York that I don't know maybe caught on and I would love for our listeners that I know that a lot of our listeners have heard of the melt method but they may not realize that you are are the melt method like that's you you are like I created are the create I know I I I know this but we need to share this with everyone and I want everyone to know exactly what this means because sometimes they're like I don't what does that mean? Is this like a, how do I use it? What is this for? And I think that there's a, there's a powerful story behind this. So take us back to New York to how this whole idea started and how you started and take us forward.
2: I mean, I've been in the fitness industry since I'm 16 when back in the day there was calisthenics and high impact aerobics on cement floors. Mm -hmm. So I started there and I I had always been curious about how do you live an active, healthy, pain-free life? I think I had post-traumatic stress disorder. My great-grandmother, when I was 11, went from being super spry to a lady who didn't know who I was in an old folks home. And I had never seen so many old people in one place. And at 11, like these old hands reaching out to me, I was like, don't tell ya. I was like, I don't wanna get whatever you have. And my great-grandmother whispered in my ear, never get old. And so when I got in the car with my aunt, I was like, what happened to great-grandma? And she said, she just got old. And I was like, are you going to get old? She said, yeah. I said, am I going to get old? She said, yeah. I goes, well, how do you stop this from happening? So what epitomized health and wellness when I was a kid were people like Jack LaLanne and Jane Fonda, right? So I kind of bit into this idea when I was younger that if you ate right and you exercised, you'd lead a healthy, active, pain-free life. Like, you'd you'd be resilient. And, uh, that's what I did. I kind of went from like a chubby 11 to 13 year old. My mom brought me to a spa lady. And I was like, I just wanted to look like those ladies. I was like, I want to wear leg warmers. <laughs> I want I want to wear a belt around my waist. Like, I want to look like that. And um, I started exercising when I was young. And so by the time I got into high school, I was an athlete, got a master's in physiology and anatomy in my mid-20s. And, and at that point, I was working on high-performance athletes. I thought I knew everything about the human body. Um, and then at 27, I woke up one day and the bottom of my foot hurt me and it wasn't like any injury i'd ever had right you know i mean i had messed up my knee when i was a kid i had a splint i you know i sprained my ankle a bunch of times i've broken bones but this was i just woke up with it and the bottom of my foot hurt and i thought i must have stepped on a piece of glass and what started out as foot pain turned into this body-wide fatigue i couldn't get out of bed i was crawling to the bathroom in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom i just, and and i guess at that point my my whole life kind of flashed before my eyes that this is what aging is like, and this is real, and I'm going to die soon because this is like my whole body is wasting away. And I started going to doctors, and I had somebody tell me it might be lupus, might be fibromyalgia, we have to do tests. And it really just kind of like spiraled me out of the fitness industry to discover what was going on in my body. And the thing was back in the late 90s, um, when I heard the word plantar fasciitis, I just kept thinking inflamed fascia. Could inflamed fascia cause all these problems? And if that's the case, there's no exercise for that. So I, Google became a thing in 1998 or something like that. I typed in the word fascia. I started looking at all the research papers on connective tissue and fascia. and went down this rabbit hole to really understand fascia's role in pain mitigation, in pain resolution, as well as in pain acceleration. What, What causes it? How do you get out of it? And it completely made me look at the human body in a different way. And so I veered out of fitness and into the healing arts of hands-on therapeutic techniques. Uh, And by the time uh, 9-11 happened in New York, uh, instead of having high-performance athletes in my private practice, I suddenly had uh, people with post-traumatic stress disorder. And I started to realize that, you know, physical pain can be caused by anything, emotional trauma, physical trauma, um, aging. There's so many things that can cause it. And there was this missing piece of connective tissue that wasn't being talked about, and so as I started to learn more and more about it, I just saw a missing link between fitness and therapy. That like we could do self care, and a client of mine literally said to me one day after I worked on, she had chronic migraines and TMJ, and I worked on her and it fixed her pain, uh, but she would come back every couple of weeks saying it comes back. And I just said, you know, it's got to be something in your environment. And she said these exact words, if you could invent a way for me to do to myself what you do with your magic hands, I'd stay out of your office. So I was like, I don't know what that would look like to do light touch therapeutic intervention. And I started playing around with balls and rocks and rollers. I came up with this idea of taking PVC piping. I wrapped it in bubble wrap. I wrapped it in a yoga blanket and a yoga mat. And I duct taped the thing together. And it kind of gave this soft touch like my hands would. I started working on my, my basis skull just like I would with my hands. I decompressed my neck. I knew I did it, gave it to her. And it was like, you know, overnight, she was suddenly able to maintain changes longer from our therapy practice. And so I started sharing these techniques with my clients. And because I was in the fitness industry for so long, I thought, gee, maybe I could teach people this in a group environment and I could maybe keep them out of my office altogether. I thought, well, I'm going to be unemployed if this works, mm-hmm. but let's see what happens. And instead, my private practice exploded. Everybody wanted to come see me. I, like, suddenly had this secret that nobody knew about. And I started teaching this class. I coined the term Melt in 2004. Um, By 2006, it was just like a explosion in New York of people wanting to melt lines out the door. And instructors said they wanted to learn how to teach it. So I created a curriculum. Uh, 2010, I started to write a book. 2013, I wrote my first book. It became a New York Times bestseller. Uh, and then today I've got two, I've authored two books that have been bestsellers and I've got almost 3,200 MELT instructors in 28 countries worldwide who teach the method. And I'm continuing to pass this message down to as many people as possible that fascia is a renewable resource in your body. It relates to your nervous system, to your lymph system, to your immune functions and to your overall longevity. And if you know how to harness the power of it, you can really transform so much about your life.
1: Woo, woo! I love it.
0: And you're talking, I mean, you're preaching to the choir over here with Brian and I who are, listen, we understand the power of your muscles. We know how it worked. We know what we're supposed to do, keeping the fascia, you know, loose and hydrated and, you know, the power of what fascia tissue is that, you know, I remember first getting into the fitness industry. No one talked about it. It wasn't a thing at no, all.
2: No. No, now but now but now everybody's a myofascial expert. Oh, yeah. I feel partly responsible for that. I went to Idea 1 year when I started sharing this and I just remember some girl saying to me you can't exercise your fascia. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not talking about exercise. This is like self-care into fitness. And it just it I, at first I don't think people really got the importance of it, but Myofascia became a term that, because myofascial structures, that's fascia as it relates to muscles, became something that was tangible for fitness professionals. But the thing is, people still think of fascia, because we call it a connective tissue, as a tissue, right? And so being a tissue, it is the supportive infrastructure under your skin, it's giving your joint shock absorption, it keeps your muscles balanced, there is a glide ability that, that allows muscles to slide and glide over one another. But what's important for people to know is that on a cellular level, if you look at fascia under a microscope and you go all the way down to the cellular level, they call that the extracellular matrix. So it's the supportive system under your skin that is protecting every cell, blood vessel, and nerve in your body. It's also inherently linked to your immune functions because your lymph systems live living in fascia. And this system, from daily living, does adapt to our daily lives. And when it does, it can slow the fluid perfusion of blood flow uh, through through your arteries and veins. It can alter your lymphatic system. It can alter how your nervous system operates. And then you start getting symptoms that start out as like, hmm, I sit for long periods of time and when I get up, I feel like I aged 40 years because my joints don't work as well when I get up as they did when I sat down. To suddenly noticing that one or more joints are bothering you more and more, and then the thing is, if you're like most people, you have joint pain. You pop an Advil. You're actually altering your nervous system's operation as it relates to the fascial tissue. Sort of, it's like it's like your fire alarms going off because your toaster's on fire, and you walk over to the fire alarm and take the batteries out, but the toaster's (laughs) still on fire, and that causes. That ends up causing bigger problems because your nervous system needs to know where your joints are to move you. So if you never really do anything about connective tissue or really understand it on a cellular level, you get symptoms that are more noticeable, like trouble digesting food, weight gain, you're exhausted in the middle of the day, but... For as exhausted as you feel in the day at night, you try to fall asleep and you can't wind down and then you're waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. That, that's your, your nervous system is now exhausted just trying to keep you alive. And when our body is exhausted trying to keep you moving, you're gonna feel like shit, really. You're just gonna feel not great. And, and not only does it increase your chances of chronic pain, it, it actually increases your aging process. It accelerates the aging process. You just start to feel older simply because the supportive infrastructure of the stability system, it's a system, isn't functioning well.
0: I'm curious, before we go back into this, is so when you said before that, you know, when you were, I don't know, how how many years ago, that you were like, oh my gosh, I don't feel good and I'm exhausted. And I mean, you were really an experiment of one at that point for yourself, what, you know, what did you do? What were those steps then? Because obviously that's, that's not your case. You are vibrant, you are powerful, you are a force of nature. What the heck happened that, you know, again, moved you out of that?
2: Yeah, I think, well, it was, it was kind of the discovery of understanding how to harness connective tissue, how to, how to understand better what fascia's role was in, how my nervous system operated. And I actually, the way that I really kind of veered into the healing arts was I went to see a cranial sacral therapist. I kid you not. She worked on my nose. I had a somato emotional release, uh, meaning a memory came up into my mind of, of, a, of a time when I had broken my nose playing softball. And the next day I woke up and my foot didn't hurt me. <laughs> and I, at first I was like, placebo, you know, it's just in my head. And then a couple of days go by and I'm still feeling good. And so I called this gal, Barbara, and I said, Barbara, what muscle were you on? And she said, I wasn't on the muscle. I was on your cerebral spinal fluid and we, we just rebalanced and regulated your cerebral spinal fluid. I'm like... Like with your hands, you did that, like the fill and release. She said, I was like, well, what did you do with it? And she said, do you you know what I'm talking about? I go, yeah, if you put your hands on somebody, you can feel the movement of it. And she was like, well, not everybody can do that. Maybe you're in the wrong industry. Maybe if you learn more about this, you'll also find your answers of connective tissue because we talk about fascia also. And that's what got me down this rabbit hole was I found all healing arts talk about connective tissue But what's been profound, and the thing I've been very privileged, I'm a founding member of the Fascial Research Society since 2005 now, um, is that fascia, as we started using atomic force microscopy, And you look at the intricacies of of fascia and and how collagen operates. Collagen is like a superconductor in the tissue in the body. So if you know how to create shear strain to the tissue and organize hydration changes, like literally, it's like working fluid into a sponge. You can adapt the nervous system, calm the stress reflex of the nervous system, quiet the body down, and literally change the way you feel simply by way of learning how to harness the properties of fascia. So just really simply, fascia is a tension compression management system. So it's trying to manage tension and compression, and I mean that on every level, how your cells uh, work towards each other, the space between cells, to how your joints have shock absorption. It's doing all of these things for us. So if fascia downgrades itself, your joints kind of start to misalign, joint centralization becomes decentralized, your cells don't communicate well, and now you have, again, symptoms. So learning how to renew the tension compression management of the system Alters your sensory motor feedback. It alters the way your brain and your body communicate. And almost instantaneously, you watch people with who have poor gait patterns, we melt them, and then you go back and you do it again, and they are they're walking differently. So the nervous system is actually kind of like I don't want to say it's a stupid part of the body, but it's really quite changeable. It's very malleable. It's reactive. It's reactive, yeah. And it's got well, neuroplasticity is a real thing. You can adapt the way your brain pathways work. You just have to know how to do it. So like we use soft tools. I know that everybody's done foam rolling and people see the roller, so they're like, I already know how to do foam rolling. And no, people know how to iron themselves like a shirt. (laughs) And they think like, if they dig, they find a lumpy area, they're gonna like dig out their IT band, like they're gonna get rid of that lump on the side of their leg. And, And I'm like, if you don't know anatomy and you're not really sure what you're doing, you know, it's like driving a Ferrari when you can't drive a stick. Get get out from behind the wheel and let somebody else drive the car for a minute and teach you how to use this beautiful machine. You're going to ruin the engine, okay? So we we adopt an idea that fascia is a soft tissue, and soft tissue is like soft tools. If you go at your body and you actually cause pain to get out of pain, it doesn't even make any sense when I say it. Like, why is that the first path of resolution you know why not be nice to your body for five freaking minutes care for your body do something that feels good and see if you feel better right
1: <laughs> right so well, that's
2: kind of my comfort <laughs> i'm a little different i'm not into the no pain no gain theory i don't think it
1: works no there's plenty there's plenty of that 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 you know no pain no gain is is silly uh so why is it? So we are, people are in pain, though, right? So, and, you know, again, we, when is it that we identify fascia as the issue? Most people feel the symptom. They feel the neck pain. They feel the back pain. They feel whatever that symptom is. So when, mm-hmm. and, they, and they try and treat that. And when, when is it that we do go, you know, see it as, identify it as a fascial issue? Uh, you know, why is that not the first go-to right off the bat? I mean, you know, you, you discovered it
2: yeah I guess why isn't it the first thing? I think because it's still controversial. you know when something can be simple as a way to create resolution, people who have very complicated things that they do they don 't like that there 's a simple solution so you know i just I think that people just need to realize that like if your pain is chronic, right a hundred percent of the time your brain's what's producing your sense of pain. No matter what it is, you know, you hit your hand with a hammer, right? We all know what an acute pain is, right? We have an identifiable source. But when pain is chronic, you have an issue in your connective tissue 100% of the time. It's never not going to be in relationship because inflammation is part of the healing process. And the inflammatory, the cytokine response is in fascia. Your connective tissue, that's where inflammation originates. It's not, There's no inflammation in your muscle, muscle's not inflaming. Your fascia inflames, right? Your fascia, the, 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 macrophages come down and now you get blood changes and all sorts of stuff happens. You get swelling, heat, all these things. Fascia is playing a role in all of that. And the cells are healing cells, are fascial cells. Fascia is what heals you. If you tear a muscle, fa- fibroblasts turn into myofibroblasts. You break a bone, fibroblasts turn into osteoblasts. It, they specialize to heal you. So we actually have like an internal Army of healing cells that sometimes are, are like having a nap. They're not functioning as well as they could. And it's simply because we as a society are very hell bent on sedentary lifestyles. We sit way too much. We have too much re- repeti- repetitive movements in our lives. We tend to follow suit. And even people go, Oh, no, I do, um, I do cross training. I I don't give a crap. I'm not talking about that. You get up the same way if I walk if I if I drop something on the floor and I said bend over and pick that pencil up. You're going to walk over and bend over and pick up that pencil the way that you do it. 100% of the time you're going to do it the same way until maybe your back hurts you and then you might change the way you move. And there's the problem. Is that our bodies are designed to compensate and adapt. And when you hurt You, your body is actually adapting and not in a good way. And so I always say that, you know, neural pathways and how we move, it's like, they're like super highways. Only if you live in a suburb and you got to get downtown at nine o'clock in the morning and that highway is full of traffic, you don't not go to work. You take side streets. You learn how to get there in relatively the same amount of time, but it's not the most direct route. The nervous system does the same thing. If you have a shoulder pain, you probably are not gonna not move your shoulder, but you might shrug your shoulder and then reach up to go to do something. And that is the problem. That causes compensatory patterns, that's gonna downgrade your athletic performance, that's gonna increase your chances of joint decentralization, so the source of your hamstring strains, your knee problems, and all this stuff is more fascial related than muscle related. I'm gonna quote my friend Gil Headley here. Muscles are fascia's bitch. They're gonna do whatever <laughs> that fascia tells it to do. Muscles are the dumb jack in your body. They're gonna follow suit to where the fascia is able to allow pre-stress to occur and ability to occur fascia is not functioning efficiently. You're not going to not move. You're just not going to move efficiently. And the more inefficient you become, again, accelerating your chances of pain and aging, pain pain through aging.
1: We see it in the runners all the time, right? I mean, I live in the runner's world and, you know, and it's compensation. It just goes wrong. Like once it starts going bad, once we have a little aches and pains, you start compensating and it just goes wrong. And I mean, plantar fasciitis is like one, you know, it's like the most common running injury. I work with high school kids and, you know, we just see it over and over. And, you know, so uh, let let me ask you that. Is it any coincidence that, you know, the foot, the thing that touches the ground the most and the thing that has, you know, most uh, 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 neurons and everything that that happens there? I mean, is that, I mean, we know fascia mostly from plantar fasciitis, right? Even though it's all over our body, but that's what we kind of related to, those fasciitis there. Is it any coincidence? Coincidence that it's uh, associated with the foot
2: no and that's just it you know we're i think also as a society we're in shoes younger and younger now like you know i saw some infant with like you know nikes on the other day and i'm like really <laughs> really
1: <Yeah.
2: laughs> you know the baby's not even walking Why does it have sneakers on? You know, like you want kids to let their toes curl. That's how you strengthen the arches. Crawling is an important aspect of foot architecture. You have kids in shoes. You're actually downgrading the curvatures of their spine. You're altering their foot architecture. We're, we're kind of causing the problem with the offspring. I have to say we're, we are the cause of it, right? So with, with footing, you're right. Like the foundation of melt is the hand and foot treatments. Before we teach anybody how to work along their spine or work on any body part, you always want to pick up, are the sensory nervous system communication highways that connect your brain and your spine to your hands and feet functioning well or not? right? And there's easy ways to tell. Like we take a softball and we have people squeeze the ball in one hand and then the other. And I just say to them, is your grip feeling the same on both sides or does one hand have a stronger grip? And like 90% of people say, I think this one has a stronger grip. And oddly enough, it's not their dominant hand. So- Think about that, right? You know, like what's happening with my grip? Well, grip is neurological. If my brain can't send information down, now same thing. It's like I go to grab something in my purse and I can't freaking find my phone without taking everything out, And it's sitting right there, but I couldn't feel it. We don't even realize we're losing sensory reception. So what often happens with runners is from all of the running and the impact, we're actually altering the mechanoreceptors that are in the joints proper. And so it's altering neural signaling. Also, a lot of runners do not believe in any type of stretching or foam rolling or anything. They just run, which I mean, I, okay, I, you know, if it works for you. There's no time.
1: I'm never gonna,
2: yeah, I'm not going to tell anybody. Like, if your running is improving and you're not doing any type of self care, I think, like, you're the enigma. I want to know everything about you. What are you doing? Right? But in general, most of us are, are running with pelvic bones that are a little out of balance. We're sitting on our ass all day long and then we think that we're gonna just get up and run and the tissue's gonna be ready, but we're causing this excessive compression and tension. When you sit for long periods of time, you're creating compression and tension to the back body. So now I go to run and I'm actually over involving my quadriceps, my heel strike is getting short, my stride is downgrading. I don't even know what's happening, right? But what I do feel is foot pain later on. So we can actually prevent this, especially if you can get to the teenagers. If if, if I could get every teenager to learn more about their bodies and to actually take time to do self-care... I think that we could transform an entire generation, but the problem is when we're young, and we all remember this, right? When we're 16, I am invincible, right? I don't need to do anything except what I want to do. I'm not going to listen to my parents. I'm not going to listen to my teachers. I don't feel tardy, said Van Halen. I know, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> so,
2: Yeah, so I just think that we, if we could instill that being proactive isn't like a chore. It's actually... If it was a part of their lives, if we taught our kids, I really do, I think that we could enhance the potential of, the, of humans today because we have so much technology and we know so much more about training and running and periodization and all these things. We have scientific evidence of so many things that work. But when you get injured or you have pain... All that shit's out the door. It doesn't even matter anymore. So if we could be more, again, proactive than reactive, if we could be, I always say, prepare, perform, restore, repeat. Right? If you don't prepare your body a little bit for your performance and restore your body, you're going to be in what the fitness industry is now calling the recovery world. <laughs> to me, recovery means I'm recovering from something has happened to me. Whereas if I'm just restoring something, I'm just repleting it. I'm bringing it back to balance. But recovery, I mean, my God, if I've got to recover from life, what the hell am I doing? Right? <laughs> if I got to recover for days right. after a what am I doing, right? What is that doing for me in the long haul of my life, right? I, I think that this is something. I hope everybody's hearing me. I'm not like I am a little on a soapbox, but I'm trying to give. I'm preaching here. You know, this is important. We could really preserve the longevity of our overall well-being just by realizing that our hands and feet are the two most used parts of our body, and they're the least cared for, unless we get a mani-pedi, and that doesn't count,
0: <laughs> right? Because that chips <laughs> after a while, but. I, all right, you're not in a soapbox because after I saw you in San Diego, my ass was right into Seattle for the Shape America phys ed teachers, whatever, talking about you know, talking about getting some of these ideas into students, into people that are younger. Because if we can give them you know again, not exactly I wasn 't up there with Melt with you, but giving them different techniques, different tools so that they can maybe just maybe i don 't know take some of these ideas that I never had i don 't know about you, but no one ever taught me about fascia and about you know what is this you know what does this look like to prepare and perform and to, i, I didn 't know any of this as an athlete, which is why I had shoulder surgery at sixteen you know mm-hmm. and and all of these other injuries. And what if we can not just like you're talking fashion now about physical performance, but you know you haven't even touched on what that does mentally for people because of the connection between chronic pain and depression and anxiety and mental what? health. I mean, that is another. I mean, that's a whole other can of worms that you know that we can open with that. There, and like there's actually
2: s- there, there's actually a pilot study that just recently uh, came out about. Um, people with depression and they tested the fascial tissue against their shoulders. And then they also had a sham group, Do mm-hmm. you know, people who have depression tend to have thicker and more stiff fascial tissues. And I, and that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Don't you think when I say it, you know, it's sort of like when we're depressed, what do we do with our bodies? You know, like our bodies sort of adapt into that front pitched posture. We're sort of protecting our heart. Our shoulders are up into our ears. We're angry. We're more stiff. We're more frustrated. And the thing about fascia, and I'm going to say this again, is I can relate fascia to every other system in your body. So when I say fascia is the stability system of your body, I'm not talking about how well you balance on a bosu ball i'm talking about neurological psychological emotional chemical and physical stability our own emotional balance is very much weighted on the performance of our fascial system when you get up and you're exhausted and you're fatigued your your fascia is kind of saying hey something's Going on here, you know, like I'm, I'm actually alerting you that something's not right. We get pre-pain signals. Like again, if you sit for long periods of time and you get up and you feel really stiff for the first like four minutes when you get up and you move around, that is a pre-pain signal. The, why do I feel that stiffness is a lack of fluid perfusion through the fascial net. Fascia is a biotensegrity system. I'm going to land a sentence here, right? So, most stability is like if you think of a building, it's like continuous compression elements, like bricks stacked one atop another until you have enough compression to hold the building together. Tensional systems like fascia have discontinuous uh, pieces, like your bones, in a continuous tension network. So the con- the continuity of fascia, it is a three dimensional global system. There's no really under a microscope. There's no layers. There, there's no envelopes when you go microscopic, but if I back out with my microscope and I, and I do a cadaver dissection, you see fascial envelopes. They, where fascia actually in particular areas is thicker, some areas it's more fluffy and areolar, some it's more linear, like around your muscles and your IT band, but, but fascia in, in every state of emotion physical psychological it is on a cellular level playing a role in how cells communicate um, your glial cells your brain is mostly glia and fascia is invested in those glial tissues as well so we so so glia throughout the body as we stimulate fascia in our bodies we are creating changes in our mind also. And in that in that research study, what they did was some gentle foam rolling on one group. And then they just had people just like sit on a foam roller and another. And the people who did foam rolling, before they did the foam rolling, they would um, say a bunch of words, like negative words, like anger, pain, frustration. And then they would say happy words like love and freedom and beauty and uh, mobility and, At the end of the foam rolling, they asked the two groups uh, what words they remembered, and the people who didn't foam roll remembered all of the negative words and none of the positive words, and the ones after they foam roll and felt better, they remembered more of the positive words. To me, that is evidence that touch is important to our mental well-being. We need to move. We need to touch ourselves, and I mean that. We should all touch ourselves more. In every, We should. We should touch ourselves, masturbate, whatever it is that your brain goes to. (laughs) But we really should touch ourselves more. We should explore our body through touch because our sensory nervous system is really relying on this. And it's the sensory nervous system that breaks down first, not the motor system. The sensory system breaks down and we can we can heighten our sensory awareness through doing things like melt. This is important for people to realize, like, don't lose your sense of self. As you age, that's that's what happens. That's why you fall. That's why you know people sit in their houses all day and become despondent in life.
1: All right. So I've got. Uh, I, I want to get into. It in I've a got like bit. eight thousand questions, so and we're going so to have to have you back because
0: <laughs> there's so much, so much.
1: I want to touch on later, like where in the fitness industry who gets it right, who gets it wrong, what modalities, exercise, and all that stuff is maybe more fascial friendly, but. Tell us about the melt method. I mean, you told us a little bit about how you created it. Like, just tell us, take us more into how it works and, you know, and just how you teach people. Uh, you yeah, know.
2: so it's a, it is a practice. So, so much like yoga or any other practice, you have to practice daily. And we call it the four R's protocol. Reconnect, rebalance, rehydrate, and release. So much like a manual therapist, reconnect techniques are assessment techniques. I teach people how to evaluate their bodies for accumulative tension and stress living in regions of their body to identify some of the common imbalances that end up destabilizing our neck and low back and alter our core stability. We do rebalancing techniques, which are ways to tap into your nervous system, to quiet the stress reflex, focusing on breath. It's like mindful meditation. And then we have rehydrate, which is using these soft tools like the soft uh, therapy roller and the soft hand and foot therapy balls on your hands and feet. And I teach people um, two-directional lengthening or tensional techniques. You can cause tension to fascial meridians and then let it go and create a full effect. Um, we also have compression techniques called gliding, shearing, and rinsing. So using the balls or the roller, I teach people how to do these gentle compression techniques to explore and alter cell-to-cell communication in their bodies. And then release techniques are decompression techniques, much like a manual therapist would try to cause traction to your spine to decompress your neck and low back. We teach them uh, self-care techniques that yield the same types of treatments like traction. Um, and then in the neuro strength, uh, program, which is melt performance, we teach them how to do neurological reintegration and repatterning techniques, which are akin to neuromuscular therapy, which is all about setting up the joints in a particular angle and then activating sensory motor pathways to try to decrease the compensatory activation of these bad pathways that we have adopted and to try to get people back on those highways so Techniques for MELT, you know, can take as little as 10 minutes a day, three times a week doing a particular sequence um, to doing an hour-long class. And I teach people through um, our MELT On Demand platform. I have a streaming platform with about 400 videos, and our MELT instructors are now teaching on the app as well. Um, again, I have two books and, uh, I also have a YouTube channel. People can learn how to melt on YouTube. There's all sorts of ways to, to learn.
1: How about. easy is it for people to pick up? I mean, if they have a, the, you know, obviously a, a, the acumen of, of working with bodies and things like that, I mean, is, is it kind of just fall into place? Is it yeah, pretty simple?
2: I think it's simple. I mean, really the, the methodology itself, the science is complex, but the actual techniques are very right. simple. And it really is about learning how to adopt the practice and to kind of put all of your foam rolling and all the other stuff on the shelf. Because that's the thing is we already have these ideas of what it's going to be. But when you really learn how to, uh, like do like a mini foot treatment, which takes all of five minutes, the cool thing about melt is again, you assess, you treat, And then you reassess in that same session and you can feel your body go back to balance. You can feel an improved range of motion, bigger breath, your body's more relaxed, your nervous system's more settled, which again, gives more efficiency to your movement and that makes you just feel better. So we, I mean, I've worked with young kids with Melt, all the way out to, I have a 104 year old client who is still alive today, amazingly, still melting. I love this. Um, I work with athletes. I work with people with Sjogren's and fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and cancer and Parkinson's and all sorts of disorders. Um, so I think the nice thing about melt is it really meets you wherever you're at. You can learn, you, you know, like there's a hundred different moves of melt. There's dozens of different sequences But depending upon what your pain point is, you can go to Melt On Demand and type in knee pain, and you'll learn how to do what we call the indirect before direct approach of melt. So for example, if you had knee pain, we're not going to work around your knee to start. We're going to work on your feet. We're going to work on your pelvis. We're going to hydrate the fluid flow around the joint, and then we're going to work local to the joint. And that's really a better approach. Like I just think that when people are in pain and they do self-care, like if my neck hurts, the first thing people wanna do is grab a lacrosse ball and jam it into their neck. <laughs> and, and I kind of use this analogy very often. I say, you know, if, a, if your kid was crying out for your help, you wouldn't walk up to them and punch them in the face, right? You would kind of get down at their level, you'd calm them down you tell them everything was going to be okay and they were safe. And then you would take information in. You would say, tell me what the matter is. And then you would figure it out. And then you might go take action and, like, beat the crap out of some kid or beat (laughs) up your kid or whatever it was – Right? But but we wouldn't beat up the messenger. So we tend to take this idea that in the areas that hurt us, we should press on it harder and inflict more pain on just the area. But I can tell you the perpetrators of pain are usually far away from the areas that you feel pain. So in the way of like plantar fasciitis, I would start working on your hips, I would make sure your core was active. I would work on your legs and then I would work on your foot. So that's what the cool thing about the methodology is that, you know, I've taken all the guesswork out for people. If you have a pain point, you type that into our search bar and you're going to find at least 10 videos that are specific to this issue. And you just try each one and you're going to find the melt map that works for you.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to just repeat that for all of our listeners Mm -hmm melt m-e-l-t method.com and what i love that you just said was so many people are like oh i heard rolling is great i'm just gonna go to target and buy a roller right and i'm like
1: or
0: or give me that dog ball and i'll figure it out and as i mean i specialize with chronic disease and wellness and that's my jam and people say you know they've they've got all this inflammation and Christine I heard rolling is great and this and that and I'm like okay so you've got inflammation and now you want to jam something hard into your inflammation because that's what you've seen and that's what people have said and <laughs> and this is the whole like it makes me crazy because yeah, crazy. the too. the question or the you know the white noise and everything. That's why out you there, guys are doing what you're doing, right? It's
2: fundamental,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, crazy. But
0: it's but that's what it is. There's there's so much out there, and there's who do I listen to? Everyone is. It's about cream, right? It actually was on the in the um the the song was on the car when I got here. Cream, cash rules everything <laughs> around me. Okay, cream. cream get, get the, the dollar. dollar, All right. Yeah, the money, dollar, dollar, billion. So it, there's so many things like. I would well, need to have this you and, know, but, and and it's how do you use it, and what's the why? Yeah,
2: it, that, that's really it. A tool is just a tool until you know how to use it. Like, I could certainly hammer a nail in with a spatula, yeah. but it's going to take me a lot longer, and i probably, like, break a finger or something while I'm doing it, right? You know, so, you know, there's just hard tools are not the right tools. If what you want to do is improve the hydration and the fluid flow of fascia, right? We're so hell bent on like releasing fascia, this fascial release when people don't even like what's releasing and they're like my muscles. And I'm like, well, why don't we call it muscle release therapy? Then if your muscle is what's releasing and explain to me how a muscle mm-hmm. releases, it releases. By. is it letting go of a bone? What's it doing? Mm-hmm. Right? So. Our language is where we get into, uh, uh, we get, like, I don't know what to do anymore, right? Because the problem with the world of fitness, and again, I've seen this happen, is I'm teaching somebody something, and they take one little piece of it, and then they run with it, and they think that, like, their foam rolling is melting. Like, I have people who say, oh, I I melt all the time. And I'm like, do you have a foam, do you have the melt roller no, I just roll on this and I'm like that's not melting, right? Just because you use a foam roller isn't melting. And listen, if you have a disorder, a disease, you're you're in pain. Don't cause pain and heavy compression is not a great idea. You can increase your inflammatory effect Right. Um, there's a gal who's got like a stick with knobs and she's telling people to scratch every square inch and you're going to eradicate <laughs> your fascia. I like, I want to, I just want to hit her with that stick. I mean, <laughs> I get that there's, I get that there's some validity to it to some extent, unless you have a little bit of an endocrine issue or you have any pre-existing uh, diabetes, heart issues or anything you could cause kidney issues. You could cause like renal failure, you know, you could cause permanent bruising. You could, uh, you are, you are causing damage to capillaries when you do things like this. So my point to everybody is if you love foam rolling, cause I like heavy compression. If you've ever had Rolfing done, I mean that shit works right, too, Right. but that's also a skilled therapist with a skilled hands who knows what they're doing. You are a regular person with a little cost ball and a PVC pipe. Okay. So like you're not a pro so just because you like heavy pressure, is it really doing anything of benefit except in your mind? And and that's important, okay? But But is it really doing anything to actually adapt your body to make you function better? Maybe, maybe not. So I always propose this to people. If you love using a hard roller... You can use a hard roller if you learn how to control your pressure, but the three places I would not put a hard roller is along the spine. I wouldn't roll on the spine, and I wouldn't put it under your pelvis either. So I wouldn't lie the length of it. Foam rollers are really more for your legs and things like that, your arms, right, to create self-massage. But here's another thing. If you melt for about five minutes and you were to, let's say, roll your front thighs and actually do proper gliding, shearing, and rinsing, and then go on a hard roller, one of three things going to happen. It's going to hurt you less, you're going to slow down, or you're going to instantaneously decide that you don't like your hard roller anymore and you got <laughs> enough out of the soft roller. Okay? So it it's hard... Heavy compression has a time and a place, but it shouldn't be the first route of transformation. Go gentle, ease pressure into the body because fascia will adapt and it will resist the uptake of pressure if you push too hard too fast. So if you ease pressure in and then you start using firmer tools. Like my friend Jill Miller has great like uh, balls. And so I love melting. And then I will use the balls to be more specific in areas. But I also know how to control my pressure. I know what I'm doing. I know what structures I'm on. So I always feel like if you're not one of those people, come and learn melt because I will teach you how to learn your body better, how to be smart with your body, how to meet the body blind spots and the issues in the areas that you really need to work on. And they're probably not the areas that you think. So I think, you know, we have to learn our bodies better. We can can be better for ourselves and do better.
0: All right. We need to get you right now to tell everyone, tell our listeners, where can they find out more about Melt? Where can they sign up to, you know, take your initial courses i know you have some online um with you know with melt as well but what what do we do where do we find out more give us the exact youtube channels the websites all the social media handles
2: so the website is MeltMethod, M-E-L-T-Method.com. And there you can find out all about Melt On Demand. You can find a local instructor. Um, you can find blogs and all sorts of literature on fashion, all sorts of stuff. I do have a YouTube channel under Melt Method. I'm on Facebook. We actually just launched a new private insiders Melt Facebook group for people who kind of want some insider tips and stuff like that that you can join. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. I usually lay down some sort of philosophy or something about the human body a couple times a week on my Instagram page. And... Um, if you are a professional, we have five levels of instructor training, and it will help to grow your business. You'll be able to work with a wider array of people, and you can find out that about that on Melt Method. And um, I have a new course that's coming out in September for those people who believe that they can learn everything on YouTube and all education <laughs> should be free um, I instead of having to pay thousands of dollars in education, I got a $99 course coming out for people who don't want to spend money but still want to be smart. I think this important <laughs> is way too important to make money the barrier of education. So I'm I'm launching that in September.
1: Here, here. Amen. I Amen. love I love that it's a verb, right? The melt, melting. You, uh-huh. you melted, you melted, and then you melt. Everything's yeah. better melted. Everything's better. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. All right, I touched on it real quick before you get out of here what does the fitness industry do well to take care of fascia? what is it what's a good what are good methods what are you know in melt. addition to and in addition to melt you know because
2: um i think i think i think some of the things that the fitness industry does is it encourages us to move yeah and movement of any sort is good for fascia i think that yoga can be good for for fascia i think pilates i think your weight training is good for fascia. i think all movement is good for fascia but i also think that We need to learn to restore the fluid aspects, the fluid perfusion of fascia to keep it supple and keep it supportive. We want fascia to be able to have its stiff and elastic properties so that our joints move well. So I think that the fitness industry does one thing right. It encourages people to get out there and move.
1: Move well, whatever whatever works well for them. All right, and That's and it. and real quick too. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned hydration and, and and all those things. Is it as simple as hydration as simple as you know? Is it nutrition as well? Uh, you know, we get hydration too. Yeah.
2: So so there's so there's three things I would say. First of all, everybody should sip water more frequently. It's not the volume of water we miss; it's the consistency. People will go like, "You guys have been sitting here with me. How many times have you guys seen me drink water?"
0: Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. you got to drink.
2: You got to sip sip water more frequently rather than like taking all your pills and guzzling a whole bunch of water in the right. morning and then not drinking for three hours, right? So, it's the consistency of water. The second is um, blood sugar balancing. This is really important for your hormonal state, for your sleep quality, and that is also very inherently linked to fascia. So, Um, Learning about blood sugar balancing, I think, is really important. Your nutrition is really important. Eat more vegetables. Don't eat refined carbohydrates. Try to be more balanced in how often you're eating and see what works to keep your hormones balanced. Um, And then the last thing is sleep in a dark room. Sleep in a pitch black room. Uh, If you can't sleep in a pitch black room, use an eye mask because it will help with serotonin and dopamine, which will also further enhance your sleep cycles.
1: I love it. Got any more it. questions, Brian? No, I this is for me, right? I, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get my my education out of this, right? This is what we yeah. have the whole podcast. Uh, no, listen, thank you. I had to get those last few in, uh, no doubt about it. Good. Uh, you are fantastic. I love that your shirt says love because I love everything about what you just told us here. Uh, this and, is the
2: meaning and, of life, right, is it, 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 to love one another. That's why we're here is to love one another. This is what the meaning of life is, is love.
1: I agree.
0: All right, this is this has been fantastic, and I, I, there's so many, there's so much more to unpack. And I think this was an amazing start for our listeners who had no idea about the melt method. And you know, we've talked about fascia before, but we just really appreciate you taking a little deeper dive into this. And and you know what? Maybe some people will actually start looking into how to take care of themselves a little bit better instead of popping those Advil. Maybe we'll get a little bit more movement and. um and maybe we'll get that Google uh, into fascia and melt method a little bit more. So thank you so much, Sue.
2: Thank you, Two Fit Crazy Humans. I love you guys. I love <laughs> it. Awesome. awesome to hang out with you. I thank love you. it.
0: So with that said, it is Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit crazy, And the microphone. We are where it's at.
1: Peace and love.